Good morning, church. I miss saying that. It's been two weeks. I've been off the pulpit, but here I am, and I missed you guys. And today we continue our series we started last week that we've entitled Belong. And throughout this whole month, the month of August, we're going to be looking at what it means to belong to the church, what it means to be part of Grace Bible Church, what it means to actually commit, what it means to be a member here at Grace Bible Church. And what we ask of all our members is to make Sunday a priority, to make coming or to come to church on Sunday be the first thing above all things. What it means to be a member here at Grace Bible Church is the fact that we want everyone to serve. Listen, here at Grace Bible Church, we consider ourselves a battleship. And in a battleship, everybody has their positions. Everybody has something to do. Every Sunday, we want our members to have something to do. This church is not a cruise ship where you just come in, kick back and say, serve me, serve me, serve me. Being a member at Grace Bible Church means that you will serve. Being a member at Grace Bible Church means that we do community together. That you engage in a community group. Sign up. Do life together. Learn from each other. Pursue Christ together. Being a member of Grace Bible Church means that we are always on mission. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. That we're out there helping those in need. And being a member of Grace Bible Church means that we support financially the ministry of Grace Bible Church. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What it means to give. What it means to financially support. What it means to make an eternal impact. Now, I know what you're thinking. He's been gone for two weeks and he's coming back and he's talking about giving. Go back out for two weeks, right? But see, here at Grace Bible Church, if it's in the Bible, we're going to teach it. If Jesus talks about it, we're going to talk about it. And did you know that Jesus spoke more about money than heaven? Did you also know that Jesus never once asked for money? For as far as I can remember, he asked for a coin. He borrowed a coin. He taught a lesson and then probably, I'm pretty sure, gave it right back to the guy he borrowed it from. See, the truth is this. It's never been about the money. God has never wanted your money. God has never wanted my money. It's always been about the heart. God has always been and will always be after your heart. So let me begin by reading this quote to you. And raise your hand if you've ever heard this quote. It's a quote by Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that quote. Okay, not many of us. Let me read again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Raise your hands if you believe in what Jim Elliot says. Okay. Show of hands, how many of you have ever heard this saying, money talks? 
oh, everybody's heard that saying before, money talks. Now, raise your hand if you believe that money talks. Come on. You know you believe that money talks. But let me ask you, what if money really talked? What if money could actually talk to you and to me? You ever wonder what money would tell you, what money would tell me? It would probably say something like this. Now, this is money speaking. I control you. I make you worry a lot. You are anxious because of me. If money would talk, it would probably say something like this. I am the meaning of life, not the means to life. If money could talk, it would tell you and it would tell me. You serve me, money would say. I don't serve you. I think that's what money would say. You know what Jesus did say? Jesus said this, money is a means in life, not the meaning of life. You know what else Jesus said as we're about to see later on? Jesus says this, you cannot serve two masters. You have a choice. I have a choice. You will either serve money or you will serve God. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to Luke chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to be looking at a parable known as a parable of the dishonest manager. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Bring your Bibles. Follow along with me. It's so important. You'll get to see God's word for yourself. What happens if one day the screen's not working behind me? Ah, bring your Bibles. Luke chapter 16, verse 1, he just finishes, Jesus just finishes preaching on another parable known as a prodigal son. And he jumps into this other parable and he says this, verse 1, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. There was a very, very wealthy man. He had so much money that he hired a manager to manage his money. Now this manager was in control of the owner's money. He could buy, he could sell, he could trade. But then he finds out, the master does, that the manager has been dishonest. Jesus goes on in verse 2. And he called him and said to him, what is it this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. The rich man says, word on the street has it that you've been dishonest with the way you've been handling my money. So because of that, you're fired. So the manager, verse 3, says to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, since I'm being fired, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. Oh, man, I got busted. The dishonest manager saying to himself, I'm too old to do manual labor. And I'm too proud, just too proud to beg. But at that moment, at this moment, the dishonest manager is realizing one thing, that he has limited time and limited opportunity. Jesus goes on. Verse 4, 
I have decided what to do, says the dishonest manager, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. When I am fired, maybe someone else will hire me. And so here's the plan. Verse 5, so summoning up his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write half. Then he said to the other, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the dishonest manager goes one by one. How much do you owe? A hundred. Pay me half. Pay me 50. You, 80. You know what? Just pay me 30. So the debtors are like, wow, man. What a nice guy. I sure will. Thank you. Thank you so much. But notice the dishonest manager tells every single one of them, sit down quickly though. It's got to be quick and pay what I'm asking you to pay quickly. Why quickly? Because he realizes that he has limited time and limited opportunity. So the ex-manager settles all the accounts at a big discount. And the master, the owner finds out. Now you've never read this parable or ever heard about this parable. You're probably going to freak out at the way the owner reacts. Watch how he reacts. Verse 8a. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. The master praised him. The master applauded him. The master gave him a high five. What? He was dishonest and yet he commended his manager? But don't miss this. He's not commending the manager for his dishonesty. He's commending the manager for his shrewdness. He's saying, good job. I love the way you were quick thinking. I love your perceptiveness. I love your discernment. See, the master was commending the dishonest manager because he was reacting knowing that the dishonest manager had limited time with limited opportunity. So now Jesus begins to teach the lesson of this parable. Verse 8b, he says this, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of the light. The sons of this world are people that are living for the now. People that live for just the temporal. The sons of the light are people that live for the eternal. And what Jesus is saying is this, that the sons of this world are very shrewd in dealing with each other. I love what commentary puts it. He puts it this way. God's people, the sons of the light, should be as dedicated to living out kingdom living with other people in this world as the people of this world are in living out their own values in this world. If you consider yourself a son of the light, if you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is what Jesus is telling you and telling me. There is limited time and limited opportunity to impact eternity. You and I have very little time and very little opportunity to make an e eternal impact. 
He's saying we need to be shrewd just like the dishonest manager was shrewd with our opportunities that we have, with our resources. But we need to do them for the right reasons, for eternal reasons. And now Jesus is going to give us a command. You and me, verse 9. Watch what he says. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. Why? So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What is Jesus commanding us? I have no idea. That's a joke. I want you guys to wake up a little bit. You know, it's hard for me to perceive what he was saying, but what really Jesus is saying, he's saying for you and, to me, and for me to make use of this world's resources, what we have to impact the eternity of others, of our friends, of our loved ones, of our neighbors. There is something that we can do with this temporal wealth that can, that should make an eternal impact our temporal resources, church, have a potential to make a forever difference in someone that we know. If money could talk, if money would talk, it would say this, I am the meaning of life. And Jesus, when he did talk, he said this, money is a means in life. It is a tool it's not the meaning of life. Our resources are a tool in this earth to make an eternal impact. That is what Jesus is teaching. You want to know something? This may shock some of you. We are rich. Compared to other nations in this world, you and me are rich. We are. We are the richest nation. We are a nation that has more stuff than any other nation. But yet, we are the saddest. We are the most anxious. We are the most stressed. I love what one pastor says. He says this. I believe the stress we put on ourselves has less to do with how much we make and more to do what we do with it. Our financial stress, he says, would make no sense to over half of the world's population. In comparison to the rest of the world, we are rich. Did you know that the average global household income is $9,733 a year? If your household income is above $9,733 a year, you, in the world's eyes, are considered rich. See, we look at ourselves as a nation and we say, man, we need more stuff. The world looks at us as a nation and says, man, you guys need less stuff. And that's why you worry. That's why you stress. Let me ask you, at the end of your life, do you want people to remember you because of all the money you had, because of all the stuff that you accumulated? Or do you want people to remember you with what you did, with what you had to impact 
eternity. And this is why Jesus says, again, verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwelling. Use your temporal resources, no matter how much they are, to impact the eternity of your loved ones, of your community, of your church. I want to share with you some of the impact that your giving has done here at Grace Bible Church. Because of your faithful obedience and being generous, ministries are being supported throughout the world, in Mexico, in the United States, and everywhere. We are supporting missionaries to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because of your obedient, faithful giving, we have what's called a benevolence fund. We're members of grace when they fall into hard times. We as a church come beside them and help them with utility bills, with rent, whatever they need. Because of your faithful obedience in giving, we're able to run two campuses. Our Spanish-speaking campus in Hillside and this campus. But we're not done yet. Our vision is to plant a campus in every zip code here in Laredo. Because of your faithful obedience in your giving, we are training new pastors, future leaders to send out to be able to teach the good news in those campuses. Because of your faithful obedience in giving. Our marriage ministry has restored, has revived marriages. Lives have been changed because of your faithful obedience in giving. The good news of Jesus Christ has been shared to so many people in our community. Because of your faithful obedience in giving and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, you're looking at a person whose life's been transformed. A new creation in Christ Jesus. We, as a church family, have the potential to make a huge eternal impact. Jesus goes on and says this in verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth... Who will entrust you to you the true riches? Jesus is saying two things. No matter how much you have, be trustworthy with it. If you can't be trusted with a little bit, how are you going to be able to be trusted with a lot? He's also saying this, that our resources are a test. Because what Jesus is saying, if you are unfaithful with unrighteous worldly goods... You will not be trusted with eternal things. But he doesn't end there. He takes it a step further. Verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Listen closely, church. If you get nothing else from this message, remember this. Everything, everything in this world belongs to God. Nothing is ours. 
Like probably thinking to yourself, what are you talking about, pastor? I work hard for my money. Yeah, you're able to work hard for your money because God has allowed you to work hard for your money. Every single one of us in this room is here because God said we could wake up this morning. He is in control. Everything, everything belongs to him. Jesus says this, apart from me, you can't do anything. I want you to read this next slide up with me. Read it, feel it, believe it. You guys ready? Read it out loud. I am... Change your perspective. We are just the managers of God's money. He is the master. He is in control. We are not. And this is why Jesus ends with this. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. The word master in Greek is kurio, which literally means one who is in control. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, me, no one, he says, can serve God and money. Jesus is saying, your choice. You have a choice. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be money or is it going to be God? You cannot serve both. One or the other, other controls you. See, money could talk. Money would say this, I am your master. But Jesus clearly says this, you can't. You can't serve two masters. For many years, I believe I could serve two masters, church. Until one day, I came to God and said, I'm done. I'm surrendering everything. Not just part of my life, all of my life. My finances, all. I surrender all. So I need to ask you another question. Do you have money or does money have you? Think about it. Ask yourself that question and be honest with yourself. Do you control your money or in actuality, does your money control you? How can you tell? Let me ask you some other questions. How often do you think about money? Is it daily? Is it hourly? Are you checking your account regularly all the time? Is money a source of your happiness? If you have, hap if you have money, you're happy. Woo, everything is good. Paycheck is here. Yes. Do you feel that you never have enough money? You say this to yourself. If only I had more money, I would be able to give to the church. If only I had more money, I'd be able to be more generous. Do you like to show off your money? In other words, it's not about the nice car. It's about what other people think about you having a nice car. It's not about this huge house that you can't afford. It's about what people think about this huge house you're living in that you can't afford. It's about this big mama truck. Look at me. Look who I am. Is it a status thing? Let me ask you this. How generous are you? Let me reframe that question. How generous are you with people outside your family? Do you control your money or does money really control you church it's never been about the money 
never will be about the money. It's about our hearts. God wants our hearts. He wants us to trust him completely in everything. Isn't it interesting that we are able to trust God in certain things? We can trust God with our safety. I pray all the time, please, as I travel, keep me safe, Father. We can trust God with our sorrows, with our brokenness. We trust God with our health. We trust God with our sin. But when it comes to our finances and our stuff, no, don't you dare touch that. Mm -mm. I don't trust you with that. And so since we don't trust God with our resources, with our money, we worry. We stress. We become anxious. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you the truth. Don't worry. Don't stress. Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He goes on and says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you a lot more important than the birds? Jesus is saying my heavenly father will take care of you, take care of your needs. He loves you. All we need to do is trust him, trust him with everything. And how, how do we do that? The answer is found in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things... All these things you stress about, all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying, seek me first. Make me a priority. Seek me and my righteousness and the things that you worry about, the things that you need, the things that you need to survive. All these things will be added to you. It's not either or. It's an addition to. But Jesus is saying, I want your heart first. Follow me. Trust me. Seek me first. And everything else will be added to you. But if we're honest, and let's be honest, we reverse this verse and we seek after our kingdom first. And maybe, maybe if we need God, we seek after him. I love what one pastor says. He says this, most of us live with me first living with some leftover giving. That's the truth, church. Matthew 6, 33. That's the very first verse I memorized. As a matter of fact, if you walk into my office, I have that verse up on the wall. I try, I try daily to live out this verse. But I fail. I fail quite often. But you know what? God has never failed. Never has. And never will. If you apply the seeking out his kingdom first, your life will be changed. You will come to a point where you will trust him more and more. And you realize the truth that all these things will be added to you. So I want to close by asking you three things. The first thing, I really, we'd really like for you to consider partnering up. Becoming a member here at Grace Bible. 
Bible church. Put on your battle armor. Get into the battleship. Commit saying, this is my church. I'm here to serve. So when you walked in, you were handed a little piece of paper with a QR code. When you scan this QR code, you will be sent automatically to register for our next new members workshop. As a matter of fact, last week when we mentioned this, 120 of our congregants signed up to become new members. 120. That shows that you're in, that you're committed, that you're ready to make Grace Bible Church your home. That's the first thing I'm asking. The other two things, I'm going to ask you only, only if you're ready and willing to trust God with your finances. Two things, two commitments, two challenges. Don't leave after the first one because you're not going to like it. Don't tune me out after the first challenge because you're not going to like what I have to say. It was funny. After the first service, no one came up to me and said, oh, good sermon, pastor. No one. <laughs> you ready for the challenge? You ready to trust God with everything? Here's the first part of the challenge. For the next two months, not two days, not two weeks, two months, in advance, pick a percentage and give to the church. Now that percentage has to be something that makes you go, Uy, conijo, eso duele un poquito, ay, ay, ay. It can't be a 0.0001%. See, Paul says this, our giving needs to be sacrificially, but it also needs to be cheerful. Beforehand, pick a percentage that makes you cringe a little bit and give it. For two months, and I don't care if you get paid commission once a month, twice a month, if you're salary, if you're hourly, pick a percentage. First thing, get your paycheck, give. Here's the second challenge. It's really, really important. I want you to pay attention to the tension you're having right now as I'm asking you to give a percentage. Ah, oh, here we go. He's talking about giving. That, that tension? If you're the first time here with us here at Grace Bible Church, you're, you're coming in, you're saying, oh, great, a church that just talks about giving. That tension, that tension that you're feeling right now, i got to ask my spouse if we can give a percentage. That tension, I want you to pay attention because I want you to realize what's really, really all about. Because it's not about the giving. I pray that you realize what Jesus says it's all about. It's about the heart. You feel this tension because you don't know which master you are truly serving. And after you pay attention to the tension, give it anyways. I double dog dare you because you realize what I've been saying based on what God's truth has been saying. It's about the heart. And you need to surrender one of them. And this is why Jesus again says this. Verse 13. No servant, I don't care who you are. No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You choose. You have that struggle, that internal struggle. You choose 
who you will serve because you cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks and praise. And I know, I know what's going in the minds and the hearts of so many. And that's why I didn't get a good job pastor on the way out from the first service. Because money, money is something that we hold on to. If we're real and honest with ourselves, we trust money more than sometimes we trust you, God. So my prayer for all of us is to surrender. Surrender completely. Believe in you. Trust you to seek out your kingdom first and everything will be added to us. But we need to seek you first. And so, Father, we come to you as a church saying we surrender and we only will serve you, the true and only master. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you guys.